RPG Academy presents... fifth edition actual play. Starring Michael as Arami Mott, Scott as Dane Seaborn, and Matthew as Cassandra Ziegengeist. Featuring Caleb, your Game Master. This actual play is supported by BattleBards.com. After you rescue everyone, what do you guys do? I feel like I want to go back to my study and uh, decompress. Okay, that's fine. Uh, Scott, what do you? Uh, what does Dane do after this adventure? ends well uh dane has some pretty complicated emotions about what the hell the deal was with the mystery cave full of death and evil and where the hell it came from because a cave that close probably should have been explored and uh you know some pretty complicated feelings about about the kids and about uh, his own uh relative impotence in that situation but uh as always the the overriding compulsion for dane is to uh make a lively fanfare of his life. So he, he'd probably head back to the tavern and regale everyone with fanciful lies about how he saved the day and rescued all the children and is awesome. That's fair. That's fair. And Michael, what did Arami do after this adventure ends? Arami would have gone to the temple, which, I mean, technically we were already at it, uh, but I would have went into the actual cathedral part, I guess and prayed for quite a while to both Invar and Kovar. And then I would want to go to where Tobin lived and go through his stuff. Okay, well, let's actually look at that scene, because that feels like it's important. Tobin was one of the workers at the temple, and he had a... Uh, he had a small house uh, a little ways away from the temple, not far. You could walk there within five minutes. Uh, you know that he lived by himself. He had no immediate family. He was related to people on the island, other dwarves and whatnot, but he lived by himself. All right, so yeah, I would make my way to his, uh, his domicile, and I would uh, go through the front door, locked or not. Uh, it was not locked, not that it would have mattered. Uh, <laughs> uh, not many people on uh, the Reforged Isles worry about locking their doors that much. It's a pretty close-knit community. So the door was unlocked. The The house itself is just a one-room house. It's very dark. I mean, it, it, first off, it's still storming. The storm has subsided a little bit, but it's still storming. It's the middle of the night. So uh, there are no torches or lamps lit. The fire is not burning. I would uh, stoke the fire. If I, if I find supplies, I'd look for a lantern. 
I would try to find a way. I mean, as a dwarf, I can see in low light, but I would still prefer to have some light to uh, search the place with. Okay, yeah. So so there's a, a little fire starter pot, and, and the coals are still uh, warm enough under at the bottom of everything. So you, you can stoke the fire back up. It lights up the room. Uh, like I said, this is a, a one-room house. Not, not slovenly, not messy, but not super neat. He's not poor, but he's not rich. This was just a very basic, utilitarian kind of house. All right, and, you know, Army is not the brightest bulb in the bunch, so I'm not going to, you know, I'm probably not going to find coded messages or anything, but I'm going to look around for anything out of place, anything that just doesn't seem right to me for some reason. You know, I might look to see if he had, like, a bag packed. If he thought he was running away after what he did, what he did, I would expect to see clothes missing and, you know, some of his possessions. Are they still there? Why don't you give me an investigation check to kind of govern this whole scene? Well, the reason why is because I'm not good at that, and I was hoping to get by on role-playing. That certainly will provide some bonuses. I got a seven. That's fair. That's fair. With all logic and common sense, Army can look around this house. Nothing is jumping out at her. This is a clue. In the same vein, everything does appear to be normal and in place. Uh, there is a small trunk at the foot of the bed. She opens it up. There's clothes in there. There's boots. There's normal everyday things. Underneath the bed, there are a few empty leather backpacks or satchels. What you would pack if you were going on a voyage like a rucksack. But they're, they're there. There's nothing in them. Uh, leaning against the wall in the corner, there's a couple walking sticks. There's a, a couple small weapons. It, it is not abnormal for people on the Reforged Isles to, to carry weapons. This is not a type of society where people are not unarmed or it's illegal for them to be armed. So the fact there's weapons there does not stand out of place to army at all. Basically, everything just looks pretty normal. Like, he, he went out for the evening and hasn't come back yet. Okay, I would um, I would go into his bedroom, and I would lay on his bed and just sort of look around and see what I see from there. And my intention is to fall asleep there and just sleep the night at that place. Okay. Unless I see something that's like, oh my god, and then I have to jump up and deal with it. Well, it, it, this was a, a one-room, kind of like a studio apartment deal. So the, the bed, the cot is right there, tucked into the corner, kind of by the fireplace. So you can sit down and look around a little bit. The only thing that stands out to you is that on the wall across from the bed, there are a bunch of... Not really holes, but a bunch of indentations in the wall. And uh, when you drop your hand on the side of the bed, there's actually a, a small little, a small little box, and there's three or four daggers in there. And you immediately think, again with all logic and common sense, that these are throwing daggers, 
and he would just while away the evening by target practice uh, on the on the wall opposite the bed. So as he was dozing off, he would just absently toss a couple daggers just to pass the time, practice his skills. Nothing crazy, though. Nothing strange jumps out at you. What does his grouping look like? It's all over the place. Yeah, he was a fuckwit. Okay, I, I will just spill an entire glass of water on myself and then uh, go to sleep. Okay, so uh, the night passes. The, the three of you each spend the evening in your, in your various ways of unwinding and decompressing from this adventure. Uh, the next morning, let's start with Matthew. So Cassander went back to his laboratory, which is that where he lives? Does he have a house connected to it? Does he have a separate building? Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? The estate of Long Garden is uh, just that. It's a, uh, it's a large tract of, of um, land with some greens and some trees, and it's, it's very nice looking. Uh, there's a little, um, you know, a modest hovel. Probably at the end of it, it's fenced in, and it's got various uh, cages and and things near the hovel. And uh, in it would be his his scrolls and his books and his artifacts and his um, bones and and things that he's found and his writings. And he would probably uh, have come home, uh, taken out his most recent notebook or or scroll. I, I don't know if we're doing books. I'd prefer a book, but... Books are fine. Books are fine? Okay, he's taking out his most recent notebook. Uh, he'd probably uh, make sure the fire was going, uh, pull a bottle of wine, probably, pour himself a glass and just jot down all the things that happened during the day and, and, and kind of recount them. And then if anything needed further detail, he would probably open up a new entry in the appropriate book and, and start scribbling notes on that, drawing things as well. Okay, so the morning after this adventure... Uh, what is Cassander doing? What is uh, his morning ritual? Well, after he uh, gets out of his trance because he doesn't need to sleep because I'm an elf, he would um, get up and start taking care of the animals. He has a small warren of rabbits that he uh, that he tends because they are a uh, an interesting species to him that they are not found very often and he's very proud of the ones he has but he's trying to rehabilitate the species as a whole because in this world of water where are the rabbits am i right (sighs) and uh he would just go about his business maybe make a modest breakfast and uh do some reading until uh he decided to uh, leave the estate okay all right so that is gonna take up most of his morning Let's go over to Scott. What is Dane doing this morning? Dane, um, of course, closed down the the bar, and and then, um, you know, he he wouldn't be the last to leave. That's that's uh, gauche, but but uh, he he would be near the last, one of the last uh, groups, and and would have participated in a little bit of on the street revelry, and then he would have retired to his his uh, well appointed, tasteful, but modestly sized accommodations where uh, he would sleep uh, undoubtedly late and then probably head out back to the exact same tavern for breakfast. Okay, so who is in 
the Sphinx this morning when Dane shows up? Oh, that that would be the the breakfast club. Not the breakfast club sandwich, which is on the menu, but uh you know, he's he's late in the morning, so he's missed the, the dock workers and the early risers who just stop in for protein before they start their day. And he's not, you know, quite time for lunch, where the good business folks of the, the township will uh, maybe stop by for lunch or a pint or a social minute before returning to work. The various trades or guilds. And so what, what, what he's done is he's got the, the all, he's caught the all-day drinkers, but much more important than that, he's also caught the... Uh, the, the barmaids, the wait staff, when they have a lot of time. And so he mostly chats with them. And, and Dane knows all of the staff members pretty well. Uh, he's, he's a very social individual. He is known as being the life of the party, wherever that party may be. So he has friends among the staff. Uh, is Dane just going to eat and spend a few hours there uh he'll he'll uh eat and and recharge both uh with with sort of a quieter more slow tempo social situation and also nourishment and then he'll uh probably get up and and wander away looking for mild degrees of mischief or um his actual friends rather than uh his his group of extremely superficial friends just to reconnect say hello see what they're up to Okay, so let's skip over to Michael and Arami. So she spent the night in Tobin's house. What does she do when she wakes up? I'm going to say that Arami oversleeps, which is something she never does. She's very, I'll say, regimented and simple. Those sometimes go together. So I'm actually rushing to the dock a little bit late. Uh, All of my crew are already hard at work they know well enough that if they're not working when i do get there they're they're going to regret it so they're hard at work i show up and i spend the entire day i'm very distracted there's clearly something on my mind i I can't seem to let go of what happened last night i had some some very bad dreams and uh i'm just kind of listless and uh, and definitely not myself but uh, pretty much i would spend the, the my shift is the morning shift at the docks so until Sometime past noon, I'll be working. Okay. And Arami's typical work day, she is uh, basically in charge of this group of dock workers. And your team is focused on bringing shipments in and off of these boats, loading and unloading, that type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, basically, I'm just like a foreman of a crew. I, I tell them which ship to unload in which order, uh, where things go so that they're in the proper order for getting put back on different boats. It's just, it's like a paper pusher, but all my papers are big boxes. And of course, that means you are also not in charge, but you have access to the warehouses around the docks because the shipments that you unload go to some of these warehouses and you get stuff from those warehouses to put onto different boats. That is correct. So it is a little bit afternoon at this point. Army has been working all morning. You were definitely frazzled when you got to work. Everything felt just a little bit off and uh, out of your typical day-to-day regiment. So you, you've just felt kind of weird all day. 
your workers definitely notice this, but they don't say anything. They know better. Uh, Your relationship with them is very clearly supervisor and employee. These are not your friends. Uh, Luckily, though, you're skilled enough at your job that you did not let your mood affect your work. So you got back into the flow of things, and that helped really getting back into the regiment of let's get the stuff let's move it from point a to point b check it off on the list here's a ship coming in here's a ship going out that really helped Uh, this is actually a really nice day here on the island the storm kind of blew out the weather pattern so it's very clear there is ocean just to the horizon anywhere you look from the reforged isles you can definitely see land masses on the horizon, but there's not other islands nearby. Very clear day, very brilliant sunshine. It's just a really nice day, and that helped. I would say in some ways that helps my mood, but I don't know that that it helps some of the feelings that I've, I've been having. You know, Army enjoys what she does there. I mean, she's really good at it because it's, it's very simple and repetitive work and that's that she excels at that. And today she seems to be looking off into that, uh, into that distance more often. She's seen the, this, the, you know, the peaks of other islands and she starts to wonder, you know, what's there, who are those people on that Island? And, and she's almost getting like a wanderlust that she's never felt before. She's always been totally satisfied with her life. Everything she's done has been, God's, or in this case, the God's will, and she's not sure that, like, today's just just in a weird funk, and she's not really enjoying the work, and she wants it to get over more so than probably any day in years. Okay, that's that's good. Uh, so, so maybe she starts to rush a little bit towards the end of her shift, and one of the last things she does, this is a, a very uh, daily event, something she does every single day, she goes through the warehouses that she worked with on, on a given day and just double checks that everything is done. So she has a, uh, a checklist uh, that she has worked through for that day's tasks. So the last thing she does before she ends her shift is checks off everything she's checked off. This is her, her wrap-up for the day. So Army is going into the one warehouse where most of the labor has been done today. And these were uh, shipments that were being prepared to go out later this week. And as you are going through double-checking and make sure everything's fine, you're kind of going through it a little quicker than normal. But something catches your eye, and it makes you stop. There was a, uh, a specific box that you had uh, had the worker had your workers put very carefully in this specific place because it is full of crystal statues and this is something that one of the artists on the island has been crafting for some time and it's being shipped off for a festival so you notice as you are walking by this part of the warehouse that there are now several other boxes stacked next to this box. And this is odd to you because you specifically 
know for a fact that you had your team put this box here and clear everything out from the sides of it so that there'd be no risk of anything falling onto it or anyone bumping this box while they were moving something else because it is so incredibly fragile. Okay, and I've never had this happen with my crew before. I mean, mistakes happen, but this is very unusual. Yes. Uh, yeah, you, you, you've seen mistakes, obviously. Everyone makes mistakes from time to time, but this just strikes you as exceptionally odd because you made such a big deal about this box needs to be right here. Nothing needs to be around it. We need to have access to it. Nothing can fall onto it. You didn't want other boxes even touching it, so you'd have to rub the boxes together while you were pulling it out. You wanted to be able to walk up to it around all sides of it, just pick it up and move it when it came time to ship out. Okay, so the first thing I would do would just be to take these extra boxes and literally just slide them off of the box so that they're not touching. And then I would take a look at them to see if I could figure out what they are, you know, why they were put here, maybe even figure out who might have done it based off of what's inside them to know who to reprimand. Okay, so as soon as you go to move these boxes, they are incredibly heavy. They might be full of solid iron. You're not sure. You can move them, but it's an effort. It's one of those things where you you go to move it casually and the box doesn't even move at all. So then you have to actually stop and pay attention and, and put your weight into it and you can move the box, but it's really, really heavy. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'll put that effort in. And then again, once um, I probably would go ahead and complete my routine just, uh, just for be, to be thorough. And then while I'm waiting for the next foreman to come and relieve me, I would do some digging and try to figure out what these are. I don't really want to open the boxes because we're not supposed to do that. That's one thing that they are very, very clear about, that we are never to open these boxes. So I don't think I would go to that point, but I would try to determine on the markings, like what's inside them uh, so that I could follow up on it later. Okay. So you move the boxes, you finish your shift, you are waiting for the next foreman to come up. The boxes, as you're standing there looking at them, they have no markings on them at all. They are plain wooden crates, uh, but they are very solidly sealed with iron bands and iron nails. So you can't even pry up the, little, the lid a little bit to look at it. Not that you would, but you, there's not even space. They are completely sealed. Hmm. As you are standing there, Instead of the next foreman walking up, it is Priestess Verilux. So I probably would be somewhat exasperated. So like as I see someone coming into my field of vision, I'm probably going to call out like, you know, what's taking you so long? And then, then I catch myself when I realize who I'm, who I'm speaking to. And I do that kind of a double take. And then I'll, I'll almost stand at attention, you know, just like a very uh, awkwardly stand there very still, you know, then I'll like, mess with my clothes to make sure they're they're straight, kind of brush my hair back, just very awkward in, in her presence. And, uh, and then a after a second or two, I'll be like, priestess, what, what brings you to the, to the docks? So she chuckles a little bit at your actions and, uh, 
she stops and kind of just looks out towards the ocean, not looking at you directly. And she says, well, Army, I am simply here to speak with a few people and uh, get a few things done today. I had hoped to speak to you this this evening about what occurred last night. I, I'm having some confusion. I'm, I'm having a hard time gathering my thoughts, and I'm still very worried that the children are in danger. And and, and something's, something's been bothering me, Priestess. Why, why did you not go to Kamir? Why, why did you come to the tavern looking for help when, when that's Kymir's job? Well, Kymir had a very specific task last night. What could be more important than the children? Well, Arami, some things are... And she pauses there, and, and you can see that she's very carefully trying to choose her words. <sighs> she sighs. Army, there are just some things that are more important than others. And while Chimir values the children, she had a very specific task to fulfill last night, and that's what she was doing. So Army would probably get sort of almost a dismissive tone, and I won't push that any further. I was about to end my shift and, and go to the Sphinx and see if I could meet up with Dane and Cassandra. I know all three of us would like to talk to you about what happened. W- would you have time for us later? You are more than welcome to come to the temple. As long as my duties are fulfilled, I will speak with you. I'll uh, I'll kind of give her, not a bow, but I'll definitely like kind of nod my head and bring my hand up. Uh, we've never really come up with any sort of standardized, you know, like salute, but I'll, I'll give her some sort of gesture that we can define later uh, of respect. And then uh, I'll start to walk away, realize that I've left my paperwork, have to go back kind of past her in that weird sort of embarrassed shuffle step, get my papers, give her the gesture again, and then hurriedly walk out and basically just sort of toss the papers at the next guy without even paying attention. As you are handing off your to-do list to the next shift's foreman, uh, you look back over your shoulder as you're walking away, and you see that Verilux is now speaking with two individuals who you do not recognize, and they walk back into the warehouse that you just left. I would note that as odd, but I don't think Army would be overly concerned with that, uh, especially after I was dismissed. So I, uh, I will make my way to the Sphinx and hopefully find Dane there and, you know, hopefully Cassandra as well. But I'm going to have me a couple pints. I'm, I think I need to drink away some of my issues tonight. Okay, yeah, you can head over to the Sphinx. Uh, Scott, is Dane still there? Well, that, that uh, depends how long uh, you, you, you work the morning shift. About what time did you call it off? My mind, I work like 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. sort of thing. So it's probably like 3 at this point. Mm, yeah, Dane's, uh, Dane probably has wandered off at this point. But uh, <laughs> since he came in for the 11 o'clock or 1030 breakfast, he may have wandered off, gone for a walk, 
realized there's nothing happening during the day and that's why he prefers to be up at night. You know, gone to talk to people that are otherwise bored and tired of seeing him because they're out at the day, they're working. Um, you know, tried to hustle up some fun with old friends and uh, they're boring or asleep or have children or something and then come back to the Sphinx in utter disappointment and despair looking for something else to do. <laughs> okay, so let's say that Arami gets the Sphinx Dane is not there for now, but she can settle down, get something to drink, have a meal, no problem. After she's been there for about half an hour, Dane walks in. You probably would notice I've already got like two mugs of ale in me, which is very unusual for Army. I, I drink, but it's more of like a social thing. I, I don't normally drink this early or this much. So, Army, you're uh, drinking pretty heavily, or are we having a lunchtime party? I, uh, two ales over here. We're, we're going to have a thing, apparently. <laughs> Make it three. What's, what's, what's going on? What's gotten you in this great mood? It's not a, not a great mood. I, I didn't sleep well last night. Did, did you have any problems sleeping? Y- you know, uh, I rarely do. It's, it's the waking up for me that's the problem. But we're talking about you right now. Let's, let's, let's focus on you. Don't you think that was strange? I mean, what, what was that? Tobin? I've known him for years. He was trying to take the... And I actually kind of like whisper, take the children? And that other person that was flying and, and, and then the cave that went on forever? Like, I don't, I don't understand anything that happened last night. It's, I know we brought the kids back, but I don't feel like we won. Kofar works in mysterious ways. Is what they tell me whenever I try to ask these questions. <laughs> I've, uh... I Why doesn't the Bible mention dinosaurs? Why is it that my, my uh, blue skin and parentage elevates me to a, a semi-sacred level of duty? I, I, some days you just can't fight City Hall. <laughs> and uh, seeing that um, Dane, seeing that he's made a little bit of progress in this uncomfortable emotional space, uh, starts uh, you know l- latches on to what seems to be making progress, and, and he says, you know, but but hindsight's twenty twenty, and uh, you know when you fall, you pick yourself back up, and you just got to give one hundred and ten percent, and you know eventually, like the the the. The steel rods melt with the iron furnace, and I think like to think like Kaiser So say, there's just a whole wall of of uh, morale posters behind me, and you're just reading each of them. Get Hang that in there, Katie poster. Like just keep hanging in there. <laughs> then you're like Mondays, you know, right? Shit. <laughs> just pick up both my beers and start drinking. <laughs> I, I think dwarven motivational posters are actually pretty harsh. I don't think do, they're, they're... Do better, damn it. <laughs> Either you're the smelter or the kindling. It's like you don't want to be slag. Nobody likes slag. Do, do you know why the world drowned? It was probably something you did. <laughs> we want you to work harder every day. Idleness <laughs> leads to drowning. And also heresy. <laughs> All right, so uh, you guys can engage in your late lunch, early dinner drinks and philosophical, motivational rambling. 
let's go back to the Long Garden estate. What is Cassander up to? Uh, well, <clears throat> I think Cassander is probably uh, looking at those uh, those drawings that he did when he got back from uh, that cavern though, those many months ago with the with the large mollusk creatures, and he's probably just going over the uh, the the you know the dimensions and and just trying to to figure out how and why, and he's probably putting that book away, and he's thinking, you know, could probably go for a meal. And he uh, looks up at the sky and sees where the sun is. And he goes, well, Dane doesn't have a job. He's probably at the Sphinx. Maybe I'll uh, take a stroll. And he uh, and he uh, grabs his uh, grabs his notebook and his things. Uh, he grabs his empty pouch. He grabs his he grabs his purse and he goes on his way. All right. So Cassander gets to the Sphinx. Arami and Dane are there, and they are having a lively chat. So then I told him, you just have to keep hanging on, right? And the priest, no kidding you, the priest pulled up his pants and shook my hand. Craziest story. Crazy time. I, I'm telling you, it's it's uh, it's it's a good life I lead. Uh, but, but, but really, Army, we're, we're talking about you right now. We're, we're focusing on you. What? What is your job? And that's when I walk over and I say, Dane doesn't have a job. He's a ward of the state. Wait, that, that's who I was. Yeah, well, your, your ward of the state thing ended. His continues. I mean, look at him. <laughs> Don't ask me how the economy works. <laughs> We're making it up as we go along. Okay, so the three of you can have a meal or continue your meal, have a couple drinks. It is getting later in the afternoon, not quite evening yet, and more people are filtering back into the Sphinx. What are uh, what are your guys' plans for the evening? Uh, so I still want to go see the priestess, though I'm hammered at this point, so that might not be a great idea. But did you already tell her we were coming? Because... Okay, so it is uh, it is evening. No, I'm sorry. It, it's it's not yet evening, but workers are coming in from their shifts. This is the dinner rush, so to speak, here at the Sphinx. It's starting to fill up, kind of like the other night, just yesterday before this adventure happened. Uh, people are greeting you guys, saying hi to Dane, that type of thing. Arami is definitely drunk and she is really looking forward to talking to the priestess. Boy, oh jeez. Oh jeez, you're 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 Snow White drunk. Oh man, this is going to be that's annoying. The, that's the only way to to emote a, a drunk on a podcast is to make the drunk kick up. Oh, oh okay. I thought it was slurred speech and incomprehensible behavior, but that's fine. Okay. How is that different from our regular podcast? I always do that. It, it's mm. too hard to differentiate. Okay, all right. Well, Dane, I think we should collect our friend here and find the priestess. She is uh, very uh, want to see her. Yeah, but uh, boy, I've never seen her party this hard. I uh, I don't know what's going to happen when they get together, but I do not want to be there to watch. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> see, perfect. Perfect drunk. All right, let's go. So we... we uh, 
drag our, our inebriated companion out to embarrass herself in front of her higher-ups. While we giggle in the corner. <laughs> yep. Like good friends. Mm-hmm. Oh. And I definitely have a notebook. Okay, so you guys can get back to the temple. Uh, the temple itself is uh, not central to the island, but it's big, and everyone knows where it is. A, a lot of uh, business is transacted there, as well as temple worship and typical things like that. Uh, obviously, the children live there. A few of the priestesses and male workers live there as well. There are some small houses and kind of dorms off to the side. Basically, the younger staff, kind of the apprentices, the the teenagers that are working there, just stay there. This evening, the the workers are basically just cleaning up from the storm. So they're making the temple look a little bit more presentable, getting some regular duties done. Uh, there is a large entryway to the temple where most people filter in and out through. Off to one side, there is what we would think of as a sanctuary, kind of where the, the big worship ceremonies happen. That's off to the left. If you would keep going straight from this entryway, that's where uh, some of the business is held, some of the offices, so to speak. And then off to the right is the private area where only temple workers can go. Now, that's where you guys went last night. That's where the children live. That area is typically off-limits to anyone who is not a dwarf and is not working there at the temple. So you guys get to this temple... Uh, it is definitely evening time. Dusk has fallen. Uh, the three of you walk in to this entry area. Uh, you do not see Priestess Verilux, but there are several of the female temple guards, and there are a few priestesses walking around. So Army will attempt to whistle, and it will go poorly. It'll be the oh. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you! Come here. Are you uh, are you waving at one of the guards or one of the priestesses? Kind of hard to tell. So no one really responds to you right away, uh, but eventually one of the guards cocks her head and and looks over. Dane and Cassander can see that she throws a glance over at a couple of the other guards, kind of a. Uh, hey, pay attention thing, and then comes over to talk to you. We're, we're supposed to meet with Presley Paradox. Uh, I'm sorry, Aramie, who? Presley Paradox! Uh, Aramie is, uh, she's, she's enjoying her evening. We're looking for Priestess Verilux? Yes! Yeah, we have a, we have a meeting with her. Oh, okay. Well, the the priestess is not in tonight. Uh, she is down at the docks handling business. Which dock? The only dock. The the one with, at the edge of the water. Oh, okay. I thought we had a... Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yep. Nailed it. I, I, I know elves don't swim, but come on. It's not that hard to find. You know what? You're right. 
Let's go. As the, the elf is instructed in uh, how many docks a dwarven city has, a proper dwarven sea city, uh, I, I step a little bit away with uh, Armin, sort of lead her in, in that direction. And I'd say, D- did you have an appointment with the priestess or, or were you just planning to drop in unannounced? I th- I think she told me to stop by after my business was done, if I was available. You you think? Uh, all right. Well, your business is done, and we know where to stop by. So here we go. Good capital, capital. Uh, army. Just uh, so we're clear. Aside from the priestess, is there anyone else in your life who you would absolutely hate to? be embarrassed in front of or displease or disappoint in any way like a a a great aunt who raised you know uh no no wait i I guess no they're they're all my family now not yours but but um you know any anyone else like like a school chum or, or somebody who's really close to you dear to your heart i really admire chimere oh oh good good well uh yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll go get the priestess and and uh, if, if if we see Chimera on the way, we'll. Uh... I I kind of want to be a firebrand, but they never ask me. Really? Wow. Well, I'm sure after Chimera sees you handling the priestess so well, you'll get you'll get the nut. That that that's gonna happen. You think you think so? And and I raise my voice. Isn't that right, Elf? While uh, the the discussion of the proper number of docks for a dwarven city kind of dies down. Yes, yes. This is this is exactly what's going to happen. As soon as you see Chimere and the priestess, the firebrand status all the way. Yep, yep. Here we go. All right, on to the docks. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy Network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out the RPGAcademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize, but we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. Please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media, such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at 
the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.